Ladies and gentlemen, the Brit Pack is back. Simon Head from Rochester in the UK, Chimakal Sandu from Toronto in Canada, and uh, the world is gradually going mad, Sandu. MMA is just moving along nicely. Boxing is turning into something completely different. We will talk about that on this week's show. Lots to talk about. We've got a review of what happened at the weekend. We've got a preview of what's coming up this weekend. Loads of fights coming up. Before we dive into it, how's your week been, Sandu? Week's good. It's um, it's cold. It's it's bitterly cold. It's chapping, mate. It's it's minus three today, but it felt like it was minus seven, minus eight. It hasn't deterred me from layering up and getting out of the house for a few hours and going for a walk while we're obviously currently under lockdown. So I'm just trying to, you know, keep those Ferrero Rocher calories off. I'm, you know, downing a lot of those bad boys at the moment. <laughs> Tis the season and all that. But all things considered, no complaints here. Had a pretty good week. How about you? Oh, I haven't been on the Ferrero Rocher. I do have a bag of chocolate peanuts in the fridge that I'm going to demolish at some point. But um, yeah, no, for a Ferrero Rocher. You know, someone's spoiling you. Clearly, that's that's how the advert goes. No one's spoiling me, mate. I'm getting them. I'm going to the lo- well I, when I've worked after the groceries. Anytime there's a sale on, I'm getting like four or five of these bad boys. Uh, <laughs> I've, I've been stocking them up since November because this is what I do every year. December, I just pig out on Ferrero Rochers. I don't know what it is about them. They're obviously very tasty. They're Moorish. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, basically. Like, like I'm, I'm knocking them back like peanuts as well. That's that's obscene, but I do kind of ap- approve of that sort of behaviour. <laughs> since you've been since you've been in in Canada, I, what is the one thing? I mean, there might not even be one, but what's the one thing that you haven't been able to get over there that you miss from back here in the UK? There's two that come to mind. Like they have a Nando's here, but it's just not the same. You know what I mean? Right. It's the Nando's chicken isn't the same. The fries, the chips aren't the same. See, you got me saying fries. The chips aren't the same. Um, let me see what else. Dairy milk, whole nut dairy milk. That bar of chocolate, that's not the same. Those are the two that probably come to mind that I, I would love to kind of get a a taste of next time I'm back home. Cadbury's chocolate is undefeated. You cannot beat Cadbury's. Cadbury's milk chocolate. Whole nut, as you say. Whole nut is, is the best. Anyway, that's not why we did this. We, we, we decided we were going to talk about MMA when we started this podcast up. But it's, uh, it's good to catch up because, um, you know, we are, we are many, many hours of uh, flight time away from each other. So uh, it's, good to, uh, it's good to stay in touch. Just for, the, for, for, for people listening, it's just ticking around to 10 p.m. UK time on Monday, December 7th. What is the time where you are? Five o'clock, exactly, on the nose. Yeah. There we go, five o'clock. So five hours, five hours difference, but it doesn't stop the pair of us from both tuning into the same fights each week, watching the same stuff. And uh, this past weekend was a bit of a, a bit of a crazy one. It was supposed to be Jack Hermanson versus Darren Till. Then it was going to be Jack Hermanson versus Kevin Holland. And then it turned out to be Jack Hermanson versus Marvin Vittori. And wouldn't you believe it, Marvin Vittori turns up and upsets the apple cart, uh, steals all of Hermanson's momentum, gets a unanimous decision win after a pretty damn good fight, and uh, has put himself right in the mix at 185 pounds. What did you make of his performance, Sandu? And uh, you know how 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 did you see that fight panning out? Did it go the way you thought? I know the bookies had him as the favourite, which I know surprised many. That definitely surprised me when I saw Hermanson as the underdog. I thought, wow. And I saw a lot of people in the comment section on some of the posts that I'd been uh, you know, sharing the odds for saying, saying the disrespect for Jack Hermanson and, and all the rest of it. And then the fight played out the way it did. And you're like, 
it was pretty reflective of of the odds makers to be fair because apart from maybe around it was the marvin vittori show man it, he, he put on near near enough a clinic for the most part dominant for the majority of the fight i thought jack Manson would be a lot more competitive than he was it certainly wasn't reflective of their rankings you know Hermanson was is currently still ranked number four and vittori's ranked 13. so you, so you got to think that when these rankings are, are updated marvin vittori is going to crack into the top 10 and Hermanson's is probably going to you know, drop down a few pegs but man italy has someone the italian dream simon they've really got someone here that for the first time i know we've had alessio sakara but it's not as if the italians have been dominating the mma scene specifically in the ufc and i think with marvin vittori you've got someone who's already had a fight with israel adesanya he's he's fought some top names he's you know had elite level competition and he just seems to get better and better fantastic performance yeah, and the situation with Vittori, of course, is he's been so badly frustrated over the last few years. I think he's had like five or six fights fall through during that time. And so he had that split decision loss to Israel Adesanya. So that's that's worth noting because one judge gave him the win. And Adesanya, of course, hasn't lost in MMA. But in the eyes of one judge, he has. And it was to Marvin Vittori. So Vittori wants that fight back. He thinks he can get the job done second time around. And it really was a shot to nothing for him. He knew that if he, if he really went for it and, and got that fight this, this past weekend and got an, uh, got an impressive win that he'd be right in there with a shout at 55, uh, uh, 185, sorry. And um, he's, he's, he's right there now. Now he called out Boracini, uh Paolo Costa first. And uh, I don't know what you think, Sandy. I mean, he, he called out Boracini and then he kind of, he kind of walked it back in the post-fight press conference. He said, no, 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 I want Adesanya. I want Adesanya. He's the guy I want. I want the title shot. But I think the Boricini fight might be the one to make. What do you reckon? Listen, he is not fighting Israel Adesanya next. Adesanya is going to be probably fighting Jan Blachowicz and then trying to kind of eye that John Jones fight at some point in 2021. If I'm Marvin Vittori, you want to fight Paolo Costa, A, that's your ideal situation because he was just in the title fight. He was just a title challenger. Or you want to fight someone that was supposed to fight Jack Hermanson in the first place. Darren Till, right? Who's A, ranked ahead of you. B, is a massive personality. Obviously, you know, elite level competition. But a fight against Darren Till, a main event for a fight night, that's going to do well on rating. That's going to do well with eyeballs. And that, I think, is a, a nice you know, step up in competition. If you can get the Costa fight, great. But I think it's got to be one of the two, Costa or Till. What do you think, Si? Yeah, and no, I, I, I tend to think I tend to think it's the same thing. I think, uh, I don't know what you're going to do with Darren Till. I mean, do you do, do you, I mean, Robert Whittaker's in the mix somewhere in here. Mm. He needs to fight and he isn't going to fight for the belt straight away because obviously Adesanya is going off to fight at 205 against Jan Blachowicz for that title. So you've got four fighters there, you know, um, with Till, um, Vittori, Whitaker, and then obviously you've got uh, Boricini in there as well. You could easily make two matchups there. Boricini versus Whitaker maybe makes a lot of sense. And then you've got you've got you've, you've got two solid matchups there. You've got two guys who fought for the belt competing, and two guys that haven't fought for the belt competing. And whoever does best out of those two maybe goes on and uh, challenges for the belt next. But 
it's pretty busy at 85 and it's good to see. And, uh, you know, it was a big win for, uh, for Marvin Vittori and it shows you what you can do if you're prepared to stay ready and take your chance when it comes up. Yeah, absolutely. And got a feel for Jack Hermanson here, Simon, because, you know, he was supposed to fight Darren Till. That was going to, you know, a fight against Darren Till and a win. And Jack's probably angling for a title shot. Now he's taken a loss to Marvin Vittori. You know, it's, it's, it's a tough one for, for him to swallow, for the Joker to swallow. So who knows? Maybe he can try and angle for that Till fight. I, I just don't know if that's still going to be on the table. Because I feel like even though Till is coming off a loss, Till's going to want to fight someone that's got some momentum that's, you know, highly ranked. Because I got, I got to feel that Darren Till still feels like he's in that position where he's just a fight away from a title shot purely because of the star factor involved, purely because of you know him being a draw and that does count for something in the fight game it's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun watching that 205 pound division shape up over the case of the next 12 months or so um but um just taking a look at the rest of that card sandu um who else stood out for you i thought gabriel benitez put on a great performance he, he was the the, th the the third fight on the main card he defeated justin james Fight first round TKO. That knee to the body was absolutely brutal. And it was the beginning of the end after that. So, yeah, I thought Gabriel Benitez put on a fantastic performance. Really, really impressed by him. Yeah, solid, solid stuff. And, you know, it was it was a decimated card. I mean, only eight fights in the end because we had three fights. Three fights were uh, scrapped really, really late on. Uh, the one that really stood out for me was Jordan Levitt. 22-second um, slam KO of uh handsome matt wyman who's been in and around the ufc forever and uh to get to get a, a finish like that on your ufc debut uh we didn't even get to see how good his hands are because his hands are really good uh he's a he's a he's a very sort of languid sort of loose character in terms of the way he, he, he goes about himself in the cage very unique fighting style but he got the job done and uh as a man who likes to uh keep his eye on the uh, the social media analytics and all of that sort of stuff. That must have been the biggest uh, social media takeaway from the weekend, I would imagine. 100%. Literally within minutes of posting it, it was just getting retweeted and shared like crazy. Um, the most engaged, you know, video tweet of the, of the night. And listen, it's a slam KO. I think if I'm not mistaken, that was only the 12th slam KO in UFC history. And, and I can't even remember the last time that happened. And at the same time, it happened within like 20 seconds or so, which is insane. And it was kind of scary because for those that don't know, Matt Wyman, not too long ago, was in a coma. So when he, you know, when his the back of the head hit the canvas, right, following through with obviously the elbow, the whole, the impact of that whole knockout was pretty scary, man, because Wyman was down for a while. He was down for, I'd say, like maybe a minute or two before he kind of got his bearings and they were able to put, you know, sit him up on the on the stool all right. So bit of a scary moment, but but that's that's one for the highlight reel. And again, Simon, Jordan Levitt, UFC debut, coming off the contender series. I mean, the, the talent that these guys are finding on that show is unreal. Yeah, definitely. And it leads me a little bit into what I was going to talk to you about next, which is the UFC let Yoel Romero go just before fight night. Uh, it might have been the night before, which was a big story. Still is. Um, yeah. But then at the post-fight press conference, Dana White was asked about 
about this. Um, and he, he said, you know, he's he's 43 years old, blah, 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 blah. But then he said that the UFC are looking or, or they're on the verge of letting 60 more fighters go or letting 60 fighters go before the end of 2020. 60 fighters. Now, given that they've been using the Contender Series uh, to bring new talent in, and some of that new talent, as, as we've seen, is starting to make an impact in the octagon. Um, what does it mean for some of these longer-term, lo longer-tenured, mid-tier, I hesitate to say, mid-tier fighters, or guys who are sort of hanging around in the rankings but are maybe, a, you know, maybe a little bit past their prime but on really good contracts? Are we going to see other big names depart the UFC before the turn of the year? Is is there must be a lot of uncertainty flying around right now. It's interesting. It's fascinating, actually, because I don't know, know if we've seen a culling like this or a potential culling coming down the road, as Dana White mentioned, in a while. I know that, you know, when the flyovits were let go, um, or, or the majority of them, that was a big story. But when you're talking about, what, 60-odd, up and down all the weight classes, it's going to be interesting to see who those who those names are. I, I, don't, I don't think we'll see too many of the big names we may see a couple more like again not saying this is going to happen or anything but from the top of my head maybe like a mauricio shogun who comes to mind for example right former ufc heavy light heavyweight champion obviously a, a name but then it made me kind of think well look sometimes they keep certain fighters on the roster because they know they're going to go to a market where they can headline an event and, and sell tickets yeah. if for the next 12 months they know that listen it's going to be vegas and it's going to be Fight Island in Abu Dhabi. And perhaps we don't really need a few fighters that can help us shift you know, tickets and do the media rounds and, and help promote us in a market like Brazil or the UK or Sweden, Australia. And the list just goes on and on. So maybe they're kind of looking at you know, the analytics in that regard. And at the same time, we've mentioned the Contender Series a few times already on the show today, Simon. But... How many of these guys that make the contender series get a contract? It's a large majority and it's a high percentage. You get on that show, you you put in a half decent shift, you're you're likely to get a contract. I'm and I'm pretty sure there was one episode of this past season where every single fighter got a contract. So Oprah. Yeah, <laughs> you get a contract, you get a contract, you get a contract. So and, and this is gonna be interesting to, to monitor just from the free agency side of things like they let Yoel Romero go and he had three fights left on his contract, right? PFL, Bellator, one championship are all out there and they need names and they need, you know, talent to help put on shows and move the needle. Quite bizarre. Actually. I saw today that I can't remember who the, who the report came from. Maybe it was Ariel or ESPN, but apparently both PFL and Bellator have said they're not interested in Yoel Romero. And they also a few weeks ago said they weren't interested in Anson Silva interesting like if they're not interested in a yellow romero then where is he going to end up are we talking B, you know bare knuckle fc is it one championship is it rising it's um it's it's a big story as we round out the year and a bit of a bombshell when that yellow romero news broke oh, it literally floored me i was like what yes he's something like four and one in his last five and most of them have been title fights right but he's just such a fun character and he's still so competitive with the bulk of the fighters in his weight class. Man, like, you know, we, we, we've, we've had some fun with it this year, but that Darren Till, Yoro Romero fight would have been a fun one to see eventually at some point down the road. And that's now no longer a possibility. 
Yeah, and 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 uh, I say this, I say this with my tongue firmly in my cheek. But shame on you, Aaron Bronstetter. Did you see Aaron Bronstetter's tweet this afternoon? Um, he pointed out that Jake Paul uh, weighed in at 189 pounds uh, for his uh, his win over Nate Robinson on the Tyson undercard. Uh, and has started calling out MMA fighters and then suggested that a certain Yoel Romero will, uh, can, can easily make 189 pounds. And uh, I think another another uh, member of the media replied and said, you're basically uh, asking for a legalized murder right there. <laughs> Could you imagine Yoel Romero against someone like that? It would be terrifying. Yoel Romero in bare knuckle, just, I'd, I'd watch it. Uh, but it might scar me for life because he would be terrifying in bare knuckle, I would imagine. But I think one championship would be a good fit. I think if Rising could find the opponents, I think Rising, Rising loves spectacles, don't they? They love, they love larger than life characters. It's, it's sort of that pride throwback thing. He would be an absolute star for them. But finding him suitable opponents will be the tricky thing. What about League of Legends or Triller or one of these characters? Like yeah, yeah. they just had a successful pay-per-view last weekend. What if mm. they for the next Tyson fight where it's Tyson Holyfield on under undercard, you had someone like Yoel Romero versus Anderson Silva, both middleweights, both have never fought each other, both are legends. In, in boxing. In MMA. They had it there. In MMA. Maybe they do a cross promotional uh you know event where it's kind of like uh, the dynamite show that better talk put up where you've got a cage and you've got a boxing ring. It's just an yeah. idea, right? Or who knows, maybe they go pride style and they have MMA, but it takes place in a boxing ring. Who knows? Yeah, it would be nuts. It would be nuts. I'm surprised the PFL uh, passed. I thought he'd be a good fit for the PFL. They're looking to bring in names. And that's one of the other stories of the week. We can touch on that as well. Yep. Clarissa Shields, two-time Olympic champion. I think she's like a three-division world champion, undefeated professional boxer. Now, this is someone who I've spoken to her. I, managed, I, I was fortunate enough. I was over in Vegas when uh, she was at the UFC event. I think it was it's either 245 or 246. I couldn't remember which one it, it was. I think it was 246. And uh, they brought her backstage and she did she, you know, she did a full scrum with everybody and had everybody eaten out of the palm of her hand. She was absolutely brilliant. But what it did show us was that she she's you know she's deadly serious about this mma business and she she knows that she needs to learn she's up there at jackson wink right now she's posted video and pictures on her instagram with john jones with holly home and she's taking it seriously but this isn't someone who's at the tail end of their career trying to make a fast buck this is someone who is a little bit disillusioned with how women's boxing is being promoted and wants to wants to carry on and, and grow and, and be better and obviously become a bigger star and is prepared to get her hands dirty and, and get stuck into some MMA, which she's, she hasn't tried before. So I'm all for it. I think this is great. You know, far too often we hear boxers saying, yeah, I'll take on so-and-so, but it has to be in boxing. And far too often we've heard MMA guys who have been far too willing to step into the boxing ring when they've got a massive disadvantage. Israel Adesanya did a little media scrum after the after the uh, the Tyson fight and said, "If these boxers think they can fight, bring your boxing skills and fight me. I'm not giving up my weapons to fight, you know." And I, I, that's kind of how I see it. And I'm 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 really intrigued by how Clarissa Shields will do. She's not doing the season; 
She's just going to do one-off fights in PFL, but I think it's a great, a great story and a great move, and it'll be interesting to watch her through 2021. Yeah, this is basically what they did with uh, Kayla Harrison in year one, where they didn't have her really compete in any sort of like season or anything. It was just exhibition bouts just to kind of get her some experience. So the idea of a Kayla Harrison versus Clarissa Shields fight at some point in 2021 is not on the table whatsoever. If anyone's thinking that's going to be a possibility, Kayla's going to be involved in the regular season. And I think the, the signing of Clarissa Shields is more of a, a long term with a view around the corner. Look, look, Kayla Harrison does what she done last year in 2021, run through all all the fighters in her division, whether it's at 155 or 145, that hasn't been determined yet for the 2021 season. And she ends up winning the championship again. She's not sticking around the PFL, in my opinion. That's exactly why she's had a 145 pound fight not too long ago, a couple of weeks ago. That's why she's trying to get another fight sometime in January or February so that she's done that all test weight cut. She's competed at featherweight because ultimately, and she said this herself as well, the big money is going to be with the UFC and the big money is going to be with a potential showdown with Amanda Nunes or whoever the featherweight champion is at that time. So if you're the PFL and you know that you've got Kayla Harrison for one more year, who better than to replace her as a potential you know, figurehead for the promotion then another olympic champion crossover star from from one combat sport to the other and you just kind of plant the seeds by giving her a few exhibition bouts this year maybe even place her on the same card as kayla harrison so she's oh, gonna yeah. be getting, getting the rub that way and then once she's got a few fights under her belt if all things go well kayla harrison departs clarissa shields jumps in and then she's going to be leading whatever women's division they move ahead with in 2022. Obviously, a lot of things have to kind of go their way for that. Obviously, Clarissa Shields has to perform and win for there to be some momentum behind her from a fan base perspective. But look, she's training with John Jones and she's she's aligned herself with the Jackson Wink camp. So she's off to a great start, in my opinion, for training. Yeah, yeah. I'm really looking forward to seeing how it goes. Um, I think I think she's a breath of fresh air. I think she's a great personality. She will do a really good promo job for the PFL as well. Um you know, and she competed in the same Olympic Games on the same US Olympic team as Kayla Harrison. So they probably know each other, uh, you know, to some to some degree. They would have been, you know, they would have been at the same opening ceremony and closing ceremony and all that sort of stuff. So um, I think it's great. And uh, another interesting story to follow as we head into 2021. Something else is happening in 2021. And I, I hesitate to say this because... I was I was I, I labelled myself a grumpy bugger last week, right? When we were talking about the whole Tyson Jones thing, and I kind of held my hands up and went, "Okay, yeah, I, you know, there is a place for this stuff, and I understand when it's done right, and it seems to be done right, then there's a place for this." Floyd Mayweather is going to fight Logan Paul, Sandy. What the hell is going on? This it before 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 I let you go into the specifics of this. This is nuts, right? This is this is personal opinion. This is absolutely bonkers. Floyd Mayweather is no longer a sportsman if he's doing this, right? Floyd Mayweather is just is just making bank, right? That's all he's doing. This is not a sporting event. This is not a sporting event. They're calling it an exhibition. If Floyd Mayweather fought properly, Logan Paul wouldn't get out of the first round, right? And uh, Logan Paul, everyone's got you know, all Logan's YouTube guys gonna be like, yeah, but he's so much bigger. He's so much. Yes, yes, he is, and so much slower and easier to hit. So don't worry about that. That like the whole thing is 
everything that's wrong with with uh, boxing matchmaking is wrong with this matchup. What it will do is make an absolute truckload of cash for both guys. And in that respect, you have to respect them for doing it, I suppose. I've got more respect for, for Logan Paul for doing it. I, I, I can only imagine his reaction when he put the phone down. The deal's on. I'm, fi I'm fighting Floyd Mayweather on pay-per-view. Okay. And then he probably just danced around the room for about an hour after that because he never has – he's probably doing all right for himself anyway. He will never have to work again, right? But, mate, seriously, I don't mind a freak fight now and again. And when it's done right, I don't mind a bit of a celebrity matchups and stuff like this. This is, this is mad, isn't it? Not really, Simon. It's not oh. that bad. And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Floyd Mayweather is in his 40s. He's basically retired. He's done everything he's, he's going to do in the sport. I don't hate on him for taking these circus fights to make some money. Honestly, I don't. It's like, you want to go fight Conor McGregor in MMA? We know how that's going to go down. Make a truckload of money. Tenshin Nakasawa in Japan? Yeah, make some money. Logan Paul? Yeah. I mean, look, we talked about the Tyson fight last weekend. Yes, Tyson, in my opinion, was the big allure for that pay-per-view. He was definitely the draw. But you have to, you know, pay attention to the Jake Pauls of the world. And you have to pay attention to a new generation of fans coming up, social media fans, YouTube fans. They are bringing an audience. And if you're a broadcaster or a broadcast partner, don't you want to check off as many boxes as possible? You're going to have a generation of fighters tuning in for Tyson. Then you have a whole new generation of people tuning in just for, you know, Jake Paul versus a, a retired NBA player. Like, what's going to happen? We don't know. Like, I'm not going to be tuning in to watch Floyd Mayweather and Logan Paul because it's going to be a competitive fight and it's going to like itch, you know, or s scratch the itch that I've got with regards to watching elite level combat sports competition. Like I couldn't give a monkeys how that fight plays out, who wins, who doesn't win. Obviously we know that Floyd's going to win. I'd be tuning in more so just for the fun element of it, the entertainment element of it. And as someone that loves social media, listen, this, gonna, this, is, this is a kind of event that is like social media dream. Right, they're going to produce content that's going to go viral, and you know, even just the announcement, you know, done stupid numbers, stupid numbers. So look, you know, I don't care. I don't care about the com the competitive side of it, and you know, it's not as if we're getting this every single weekend. We talked about it last last week, Simon. If a couple of times a year you get a legends fight like a Tyson, right, and then you get someone like Floyd Mayweather fighting a YouTuber or celebrity boxing, if that's not your bag, don't watch. Like, why? what blows my mind is when I see purists on social media go up in arms, like they can't believe the sanctity of the sport, you know, it has been, you know, downgraded to this. Nah, it hasn't. There's still top-level boxing happening, matchroom, top rank, and all the rest of it. You know, we've got AJ fighting this weekend. That's going to be incredible. Elite-level heavyweight boxing doesn't get better than that. Who cares if Mayweather's fighting Logan Paul? in february and if it's not your bag and if you don't like it don't watch like who gives it who gives a crap it's not as if a current champion in their prime is taking a you know sidestep away from fighting top level top rank competition to fight a youtuber it's freaking floyd mayweather man he's done his stuff he's he's already semi-retired if he wants to have some fun make some money I don't, I don't have any problem with it what i need to do is i wouldn't call myself a purist but i think i'm probably leaning in that direction, but I, I need to treat it like professional wrestling, don't I? Mm -hmm. That's what I need to do. I need to treat it like professional wrestling. I need to say, okay, what I'm looking at here is not a sporting event. 
Yeah. If I if I can draw that distinction straight away and say this is sports entertainment, but it is not a sporting event. And if I can do that, because it, it's I don't know whether the lines can be pretty blurred at times, but I think with some, I was, I was pretty, I felt the same about the tension Nasakawa fight because it was just such an, it was such a mismatch. It was, in fact, that was a worse mismatch than this, arguably. Nasakawa is a good little fighter, but he, he's much, much smaller than Floyd. And it was, it was a, it was a fight that was never, ever going to go his way. And they were trying to sell it as a competitive fight. I don't know what they're doing with this, but I don't know. It's not, it's not, it's not a sporting event, I suppose. So if I don't treat it as one and treat it as a, as a, as a piece of entertainment, a piece of performance art, sports entertainment, call it what you want, then maybe I, maybe I'm more interested in it, but I, I can't, I can't help but think that this isn't, this isn't, you know, the sport of boxing needs to, if this is what we're having, then what's going on with the like the actual the actual sport of boxing the actual whatever happens here right if these things are happening that's fine and dandy but the sport itself should always be producing the bigger fights if it isn't then that tells you that there's something wrong with the but sport it, though, we are so, getting the biggest fight aren't we getting big these these like top level big fights well we aren't getting uh anthony joshua versus tyson fury that's the fight well, that, that needs to happen that's the fight he shouldn't be fighting Pulev, right? Well, he, sh- he should be fighting. Oh, sorry, Povetkin. No, it's Pulev, and it? it's Pulev. That's not happening because Floyd's fighting a YouTuber, though, is it? And if that's, the fights no. like that aren't being made because there's some freak show circus boxing fights happening here and there. That's happening because of politics and boxing. That's a whole. Different, that's and a that's whole the issue. Topic. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like this sort of thing. There's obviously, you know, there there is there is a market for this. That's why they're doing it. And and I love the pricing structure. Have you seen oh, the yeah, we should actually discuss that. Yeah, yeah, go for it, Simon. Yeah, no, like is that, I think it was like twenty nine ninety nine for the first million, right? And then it goes up and up and up. So I mean, that's a that's a bit of a flex straight away to say, well, we're obviously going to do the first million. Get in early, guys, because the first mil. You know, like when um, you know, you release a, a new a new line of clothing or a new sneaker or something. Yeah, it's like okay first day first day offer we're gonna you know first first 50 pairs are gonna be sold at this price or whatever and then it goes up to that price or whatever a million pay-per-view buyers there aren't that many boxing events mma events that have done more than a million i mean we're talking you know between 10 and 20 tops right well, look, tyson last weekend because they had a really interesting pricing structure as well it wasn't your yeah. premium level pay-per-view it was like 50 dollars and from the reports that I've seen, I've seen reports of 1.2 to 1.4 million pay-per-view buys. And yeah. again, that's Tyson, but I have to feel like Jake Paul and what he did and the audience he brought in had to have played some part of a factor in the overall um, audience that was purchasing the pay-per-view there. And actually, the pricing structure, this is the most interesting and fascinating part of the announcement for me in the last 24 hours because given given it for $25, right, for, for the first million okay, so maybe people do want to get in a little bit early because they're going to be interested in buying it anyway. But anyway, that's a, that's a, that's an aside. I'm curious to get your thoughts on this, Simon. How do you think a pricing structure like this would potentially work in the sport that we cover 99% of the time, MMA? Like, you know, there's been, you know, I guess, 
you know, the not theories, but suggestions thrown out there that, hey, listen, you know, why can't you throw a little, throw a little bit of a bone to your loyal UFC fans that are watching your product week in, week out, and they're watching all your pay-per-views by offering them something like, hey, for the year, we're going to do 10 pay-per-views. If you buy it all in bulk, you'll get one free, right? Or some sort of, you know, discount uh, for an early bird booking or something like that. Do you think we'll see that? in our sport ever or do you think the ufc is so strong with their particular model that they wouldn't ever try doing anything like this the thing yeah i mean the idea of saying buy buy 10 get the 11th free or whatever it is i think something like that could potentially work what i don't think would work is what we're seeing with this uh, with this mayweather fight where they're saying the first group of people or if you buy before such a, a certain time you get it at a reduced price simply for the fact that in MMA we lose fights all the time. So I think it would be very difficult. Um, if you get people piling in to buy a pay-per-view because of, let's say it's the Conor McGregor fight, the Conor McGregor, Dustin Poirier fight. And I say, right, Christmas, Christmas day special or Christmas day, boxing day special, get the pay-per-view 10 bucks cheaper or half price or whatever. People, people might do that. You know, people would dive in and do that. But the problem comes when Connor tests positive or Dustin gets injured or do you know what I mean? So um, the way the UFC product works, it's plug and play next man up, isn't it? So, so yeah. the show goes on, but you've then got a lot of disgruntled people that you've got to deal with. I suppose I have to deal with this anyway. But I think in that scenario, I don't think it works. But I think bundling stuff together, I think maybe does. I think maybe it does, but it's like um, you buy a season ticket, you buy yeah. UFC season ticket, pay-per-view season ticket. And you know, it costs if it's, if it's 75, but how much is a pay-per-view stateside now? I want to say for the standard definition, it's like $65. And then for the full HD version, it's $70, something in that ballpark. All right. Okay. So, I mean, if you said, right, okay, it's $70 per show for HD, but if you buy, all of them in advance, you get the last two free, something like that. Yeah. So I think that would work and you could roll that in. Um, you know, you could bundle that with a fight pass subscription. So you, you're, so you're getting fight pass and that, so you become like a club UFC member or something, yeah. but obviously the pay-per-views were done through ESPN plus, isn't it? So that kind of muddies the waters a little bit. So I don't know. I don't know how, how all that would work, but in theory, bundling stuff like that will work. And that's how football season tickets work. You know, football season ticket, it might cost like for you to go to Spurs might cost for a regular seat at Spurs might cost you 40 quid a ticket, 30 quid a ticket, depending on where you sit. Right. And then, but for a season ticket, you buy a season ticket, you normally get a couple of games free. It works out at, I think at least it is for my dog fart team. I support, um, you get, it works out with like, I think two or three games free you get. So um, as long as you don't miss more than three games, then 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 you're all good. Um, you could do that with the UFC. I, I I think that will work. But doing it like uh, like an early bird offer, I don't think will work. I I, I think it will create more problems than it than it solves. The other thing is, why would you do it if you're the UFC? No one's going to take an early bird offer on a fight I don't want to watch, and the UFC aren't going to want to lower their prices for a pay-per-view that's absolutely packed with star power because then people are going to watch it anyway. So I, for the UFC, um, take, take the Connor fight, for example. 
I don't think they benefit from dropping the price, even for a short period of time. I, I, I think they're, they're basically waving money away by doing that. So, yeah, I, I do I think, think bundling would work, though, because you're think... committing people for a year. You've got that money locked in. I think I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I agree. I don't think the early bird format would work for the UFC, but bundling would. But then at the same time, imagine you've already got a vast majority of potential pay-per-view money already in the bank. Where's the incentive for you to potentially throw a star or save a pay-per-view? I mean, at the end of the day, they're already getting their money locked in from ESPN anyway. So they're not really incentivized to do anything for the US market specifically, but the Canadian market, the UK market, for example, the kind of fight is going to be on pay-per-view there. The Australia market, pay-per-views, that's revenue that the UFC are still collecting. But it does make you wonder, you know, if you're going to get a, a large portion of your yearly pay-per-view revenue already in the bank, how do you then figure out how far do we need do we need to go with this pay-per-view? How far do we need to go with that pay-per-view in terms of matchmaking, fighters, allocation? How does this then affect revenue split with your big stars and champions who obviously get a portion of the pay-per-view revenue? So it's interesting. Again, we're just hypothesizing here and just you know speculating because this is not the norm. This is not what the UFC currently do. But I did think it was an interesting business model from a pay-per-view a purchaser perspective and i'm i'm curious if others adapt this as well like if the next tyson fight happens on triller whether this helps triller get more more pay-per-view buys or fight tv or you know if maybe if bellator when they go to pay-per-view if they go to pay-per-view again do they try a model like this would this potentially work for them um yeah so i just thought that was an interesting kind of um topic to dissect and dis to, to discuss as well because the fight's announced. It's out there, February twentieth. It's going down, so only a couple of months away. Let me ask you because I don't, I don't know the answer to this. Is it only being streamed on this Fanmio platform that the, the, the that they've been pushing people to, or is it going to be a little bit like the Tyson fight where they do have other other pay pay per view providers? Because all I saw, and I'll, I'll be honest, I didn't spend a long time looking at it, but it looked like all roads led to this this one platform that I'll be honest, I hadn't heard of before, but from looking at it, they do, they do host other membership style or pay pay-per-view style events. So I wonder whether they would just lock it all into this one platform and go all in with it, or whether they would go for a wider distribution reach and try and sell the rights. I mean, obviously fight TV, you mentioned had the Tyson fight, um, whether they would do something like that or go to, go to one of the ma major pay-per-view uh, distributors as well, because that's where most, this is the thing, right? Cause that's where most boxing fans would go, but this isn't a fight for boxing fans, is it? Well, look, I think it will be available on your regular, normal pay-per-view um, distributions. So it'll probably be sky or BT in, in the UK. It'll be on the Dish Network or whatever the the, the, flat, the platform is in the US. The reason they're not going to say anything about it now is their whole announcement right now is to drive traffic to Famio. So don't be surprised if you don't hear about other methods of buying the pay-per-view in, in other platforms until maybe a month or six weeks out from the fight because they're trying to recoup all their money, all their investment under Famio and trying to get these early bird pay-per-view tickets sold. It's the same thing happened with the Tyson fight. At first, when it was announced, it was like Triller, Triller, Triller. That's all you heard, Triller. You didn't hear anything about, you know, even the the BT box office announcement didn't come until way after. 
right? So yeah. all those, you know, normal pay-per-view platforms, I think will be available to everybody, but perhaps don't bank on hearing anything about that until sometime in January. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes, and it makes sense for them business-wise as well. You know, they want to, they want to, I, I suspect by doing it all through that one platform, they're probably going to get a better cut mm-hmm. of any, of any purchases as well. I'm assuming that's, that's, that's what they've negotiated. And then it gets a bit trickier when you talk to other people, but yeah, I mean, one thing, one thing is for sure, this thing's going to go gangbusters at the box office because I think Logan Paul's got like 22 million subscribers or something insane like that. I mean, Crazy. that, I mean, forget the fact that he's fighting Floyd Mayweather. He could be fighting the cleaning lady and, and he's got 22 million subscribers who at least are going to know about it Yeah, uh, and get all the build up and all the, you know, we, we've spoken for years about, the shoulder programming that the UFC have put together and like the countdown shows and the old primetime shows that we used to love back in the day. Well, we're in a slightly different era now. Um, it's kind of a video blogging era of vlogging era. And this is, this is what, this is what Logan Paul does for a living, right? So he's going to have no problem putting out the content that he wants to put out to sell the fight to his audience. That's the thing. He'd be doing it, selling the fight to his audience and it's a pretty big audience. I mean, like it's the audience of a small country. So, you know, um, it'll be very interesting to see the numbers when this is all said and done. Um, I suspect that forget what happens between the ropes. Both of these guys are going to come out winning at the end of it. Yep. I'm surprised um, YouTube, or maybe they will get involved. I know YouTube in the past has done or provided some pay-per-view style options. I remember, I think it was Bellator, 100 or 150 or two there was like a there was a big bellator pay-per-view available in the us and then it was available in the uk and ireland via youtube subscription and it right. cost something like 15 euros or 15 pounds or something like that yeah and, i remember and, buying that yeah, yeah and given logan paul's pull specifically on youtube you know wouldn't be a bad option if, if youtube want to get involved there and do a little bit of a revenue split with the with the old logan paul again depending on how they can figure things out with the rest of the, the broadcast partners but it's fascinating times just streaming services and, and broadcast partners and how you split revenue and what is a draw and what isn't a draw and there's a whole new generation and a wave of consumers out there i'm not even calling them fans they're just consumers that want entertainment options what are you willing to do what works what doesn't fascinating stuff it really is. And, you know, I mean, rewind sort of like 18 months or so and all the talk of cutting the cord and all the rest of it, you know, I wouldn't have imagined going to that degree where I would be basically without a major provider. I'm basically at that point now. Um, my Sky Sports subscription finishes next week and I'm not I'm not renewing it. I don't need it. Everything I need, I'm getting through streaming, everything. So Amazon Fire Stick in the living room, Oh, sorry, I've got Amazon Cube in the living room, Amazon Fire Sticks upstairs, um, all streaming 4K HD, easy peasy, um, getting everything we need through uh, cherry-picked streaming services. And 18 months, two years ago, I would never have thought that that would be the case. But here we are. The world changes very, very quickly. And uh, no, um, it's going to be interesting to see how how it all pans out with regard to that that event if maybe not the fight itself, but the event I think is a fascinating case study into where the sport and the audience is, is going. Um, it's been, it's been a relatively quiet week for MMA over the course of, well, quite two weeks for MMA. The fight cards have been 
stripped bare a little bit. We haven't had a huge amount of star power. But we've got a pay-per-view coming up this weekend, Sandu. UFC 256. And uh, we're beginning to ramp things up. I mean, we've got two decent shows to finish off the year. Uh, and obviously this one this weekend has got championship belts on the line. So uh, this one should be a good one. Yeah, we go from freak show and celebrity fights to legitimate elite level competition. For me, and there's lots of good fights on this card, Simon, but for me, it's all about the main and co-main. Seeing Davison Figueredo and Brandon Moreno, who we just saw fight a couple of weeks ago, compete this time for the flyweight championship, you know, it doesn't get better than that, you know? And Figueredo's had a hell of a year. He wins this fight. It's a lock. He is the fighter of the year. So... I'm well up for that fight and good for Brandon Moreno to actually get this opportunity before the year's up. And then, of course, Tony Ferguson, Charles Oliveira, which I think for El Kakui, this is such an important fight. It's such a it's such a big fight because if he loses, I don't know where he goes from there. Look, he's still going to be competitive, but he needs to win to still be in contention to fight for a title for his next outing or be in contention to fight... Conor McGregor, who is probably the biggest fight out there outside of a title fight. If he loses, though, you're looking backwards. You're not looking forwards. And for Charles Oliveira, this is his ultimate big break. He need, If he beats Tony Ferguson, he could, could very well be fighting for a title next. Like This is how big of a fight this is for Charles Oliveira. So the stakes couldn't be higher in this co-main and main event. It's the last pay-per-view of the year. I'm, I'm well up for it this week. Yeah, it's a solid card. I mean... That, that main card has got a little bit of something for everybody on it. But, I mean, that that title fight, Davison Figueredo, Brandon Brano, is one of those fights that we don't always see that often where you've got the champion against the legitimate number one contender. And uh, I think that we've got a fight there that makes all the sense in the world from a divisional standpoint. It's an opportunity for Brano to get his shot at the belt. And for Figueredo, it's a chance to really stake, stake a claim for dominance in the division i think if he gets the job done as well as he has in uh, in his recent fights then uh, he's someone the ufc can really hang their hat on and say this guy is an absolute star in the making you need to get on board now um and as you say the co-main event tony ferguson charles Oliveira. um it's a crossroads fight for tony ferguson isn't it you know i mean he had, a, he had a damaging loss to justin gage he had a huge huge winning streak and then he lost it all when he was on the verge of finally facing Khabib um, and uh, ended up facing Justin Gaethje, lost. Now, defeat is unthinkable at this point. He cannot lose this fight to Charles Oliveira. And Charles Oliveira knows a million and one ways to beat you. So that's going to be a great fight. But um, the rest of the card is is, is superb, Sandu. Moicano versus Fiziev. Um, Fiziev's the striking head Muay Thai coach at um, Tiger Muay Thai. He's a savage. Do you remember he did? He, he trended not so much for his performance, which was incredible. He did that matrix sort of lean back thing. Do you remember? Yeah. Absolutely incredible, incredible stuff. And Moicano has been a contender forever. Um, and uh, he's moved up from, from featherweight to lightweight. So um, that'll be an interesting one. And Kevin Holland back in the mix. He missed out on this past weekend due to a failed COVID test. He was supposed to be in that main event. Now he's got Jacare Souza. How do you see that one? Because... It's sort of a battle of, uh, you know, Holland, I think, if I remember rightly, he's one of the early graduates from the Contender Series. Um, and uh, he's in there with a guy who, I think he's got legend status in the sport, Jacare Suzu. He's been around for so long, former Strike Force champion. Um, 
you mentioned people who, whose time in the UFC might be coming to an end soon. Ronaldo Jacare Susan might be one of those guys if he loses this weekend. Yeah, 41 years old, coming off a couple of losses. A loss to an up-and-comer like Kevin Holland. Uh, I think that'll be all she wrote, if I'm being honest. Good time for Kevin Holland to fight him. Obviously, you know, pretty late in his career now is Jacare. Interesting to see how Kevin Holland mentally prepares for this one as well, because completely different uh, matchup compared to a Jack Hermanson, for example, right? He obviously doesn't want to grapple with Jacare on the ground, so obviously he's going to try and keep this one standing, but that's an excellent fight. The return of Junior Dos Santos, that's always fun. You know, he's obviously coming off of three losses. He's another one, Simon. Look, no one is safe from the chopping block. A fourth loss in a row? I don't care if you're, if you're the former heavyweight champion of the world. The UFC could be, you know, giving you your pink slip and giving you your marching orders. Anything's possible. You know what my biggest concern is, Simon, heading into this weekend? It's, a, it's It's been my concern pretty much the entire year. It's why I don't really, for the most part, and we've spoken about this a little bit before, why I don't really get or allow myself to get too amped up and get too emotionally involved in these fight cards and in, in any fight in particular, even if it's just on paper for the time being. There have been a few exceptions to the rule. Kamara Usman, Jorge Masvidal, only because that fight got put together in, I think, what, 10 days or less yeah. or something like that. Paolo Costa versus Israel Adesanya. That was one I thought, all right, I'm well up for it from the, from the announcement. Khabib versus Gaethje, that was another one from, from the get-go. So, you know, it's not, you know, a flat-out rule. But for the most part, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to wait until the day of the fight. Let me look at the fight card. Who's made it through weigh-ins? Who's made it through your COVID tests? We just saw last week a card get absolutely decimated with so many fights being cancelled at the 11th hour due to failed COVID-19 tests. Can you imagine this weekend, Figueredo test positive, Tony Ferguson test positive. Is this still a pay-per-view then? Like, what, what are we doing? So, look, Fight Island, it's hunky-dory, man. They, they've got it, you know, nailed on to a T. The process there is just fantastic. Barely a blip. Vegas and in the US, unfortunately, in general, COVID-19 is rampant. It's a real problem. It's hard to contain. It's hard to get through safely with people flying in, flying out, and training partners and coaches, you know, passing it on asymptomatically and false negatives, false positives, all that kind of stuff. So let's see, Simon. Let's see when we wake up on Saturday what kind of fight card we're looking at. Fingers crossed, though, this one sticks together, you know? Yeah, I mean, it would be very interesting if, and obviously we don't want this to happen, but it would be very interesting if we do have the sort of issues this coming weekend that the UFC suffered last weekend because it's a pay-per-view, you know, when it's a UFC fight night, it doesn't matter so much, you know, the, uh, you know, the fees are paid. It's, it's on part of your subscription, whatever. It all, all, all is, all is fine. You just need to, you know, shuffle the deck and make the best of it. When it's a pay-per-view and people are stumping up additional cash for an event, it's difficult. I mean, obviously that's why they put cards subject to change at the bottom of everything. You know, it's, it is, it is something that they've dealt with throughout their history, you know, fights falling through. Just right now, it is, it is the most, uh, what's the word, precarious. If, you know, the fight card lineups are super precarious. They've just got to wrap everybody in cotton wool and hope that they make it through fight week um, and make it through the weigh-ins and all the rest of it. So, um, yeah, I completely see where you're coming from and agree with you to a large extent. I think it's 
it's uh it's it is difficult because you know there's always that nagging doubt in the back of your mind that maybe the fight won't make it to fight night so fingers crossed fingers crossed we get a full lineup this weekend we have already lost a fighter off the fight card angela hill was going to be fighting tisha torres in what would have been a pretty good fight at straw weight angela hill has tested positive for covid she's off the card already she was going to be the uh the the opening preliminary card bout um after the fight past prelims so We've already lost uh, Angela Overkill Hill, which is a big shame. Um, so I don't know. I think they're trying to find a replacement to face Tisha Torres, but we don't know that yet. So um, we'll see how that all pans out. Fingers crossed that is the only the only uh, bout change that we have on this fight card because I think it's going to serve up some decent stuff. Cub Swanson, Daniel Pineda's on the prelims. Mackenzie Dern's on the prelims. Uh, and uh, you've got Chase Hooper kicking off the fight card um against peter barrett so we've got some good stuff on that fight card sandu and uh i'm looking forward to it is there anything else uh on that fight card that leaps out to you before we before we wrap things up uh cup swanson daniel pineda is is one daniel pineda i had some interaction with at the pfl uh last year he tested positive for performance enhancing drugs and now he's in the ufc freaking bizarre that one honestly like i don't know how some of these changes happen with regards to fighters moving to a promotion testing positive and then getting re-signed by the biggest organization in the world um weird but it is what it is right he must have a good manager um cub swanson you know on his side again not again i'm looking at every fight card now given what dana white has said about you know so many fighters being let go cub although coming off a win against cron gracie prior to that lost his last four so he's one and four in his last five, you know, and man, he's 37. Like I'm looking at everyone's ages. I'm looking at records. I'm looking at what do you bring to the table? Does the UFC technically even need you for the next 12 months while we're still literally going from two locations? So if I'm, if I'm a fighter right now on, on any of these upcoming UFC cards, I have got a bit of an extra bit of motivation and incentive to make sure I perform and, and win because if you don't, you could be getting let go from the UFC. Yeah, it is, it is a tough time for everybody, isn't it? You know, I mean, fighters are under additional pressure. The UFC is under additional pressure. Everyone's trying to deal with COVID. It is a tough time for everybody right now. And uh, fingers crossed, everything holds together. That's the UFC. We've also got, there's a Bellator card on Thursday night. Bellator 254, I think it is. Elimele McFarlane is going to be putting a flyweight title on the line against uh, undefeated Juliana Velasquez. And we've also got fights over here, Sandu. Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night at the iconic York Hall, Bethnal Green. Cage Warriors, the trilogy strikes back is what they're calling it. Three, three nights of fights. Um, title fights on the card every night. Um, it's going to be, it's going to be good. I'm going to be covering those for MMA junkie, um, albeit from home, um, on all three nights, that's going to be a lot of fun. So it's going to be quite a busy week. There is a one championship event as well. Uh, but I don't know how much MMA is on it. It's not as much as we had this past week. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, things are getting busy again. The Christmas rush, it's all, it's all kicking off. And of course, next week is when it really starts to get busy because we've got an absolutely massive UFC fight night card coming down the pipe as well um, just before Christmas. So 
loads loads to fit in lots of fights to enjoy this weekend but before we go uh this weekend uh sorry this week sandu how can everybody uh get in touch and uh subscribe to the show the britpackmma.com that's where you need to go from there it'll direct you to our Substack, apple google spotify all those great places and if you are listening on apple like i say say every week if you can just carve out 30 seconds of your time give us a rate give us a re- review it does go a long way on that apple podcast platform and if you want to follow simon it's at simon head on twitter at simon head on instagram I am at Sandu MMA on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And the show, the show's handle on Twitter is at the Britpack MMA. And I believe we have some interesting news to share with everyone listening, Simon. We, you know, I think starting off with this episode and moving forward, this show is going to be available on YouTube in audio only, correct? That's right. Yeah, I've managed to... Uh... It took a little while, but we've got all of the previous episodes are now on there. Um, so you can go back through all the all the back episodes and check out some of the old shows. And some of the shows, in fact, all of the shows from our first run, way back when, and you can go back and listen to how terrible we were when we started the thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, like we had, we had some fun ones. We did some we did some uh, octagon side ones. We did an octagon side one from Belfast, if I remember. We did. We did a really fun one from New York where we did uh, Madison Square Garden uh, before the fights with the Conor McGregor, Eddie Alvarez fight, UFC 205. So there's some fun stuff if you uh, if you fancy going back and checking out some of the some of the older shows. Everything is on there. The full archive is on YouTube, and uh, we'll keep this thing uh, published on there as well now. Um, so you can check it out on there. If you're a YouTube user, you can obviously hit the subscribe button, hit the little bell button to get alerts every time we put a new one live on there so basically wherever you want to get the show you can pretty much get it and uh yeah big things planned for 2021 as well so uh looking forward to bringing you uh, an, an even more improved brit pack as we head into the new year but um i think that's pretty much all we have time for on this week's episode of the show loads of fights coming up this weekend enjoy them if you're checking them out and we'll speak to you to run through them all next week 